Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we're still in Ontario, and we're going to talk to Una Wright, who's the founder and executive director of You Speak. So, Una, tell us a little bit about your background in education. Where did you go to school? Okay, so I went to University of Waterloo, and that was that was many years ago. And actually, I was one of the for, first cohorts for correspondence education with that school, and it was a very new thing. It was long before internet days. <laughs> so literally, I got cassette tapes uh, mailed to me for each course, and I put them in a cassette player and listened to them and kind of regular mail all the assignments back, handwritten, uh, and so forth. So yeah, it took me 19 years to get my degree. Yeah, I did it while I was raising my family um, and uh, and working full-time as well. Okay, so speaking of work, trace out your work experience. Right, okay, so just always in the field of social services, you know, helping youth, um, youth, youth who've experienced challenges related to, um, you know, the law, mental health, substance use, that kind of thing. So I was kind of in that um, in, in that uh, sector, in that field, um, just a real passion for it. Um, and alongside, I also worked with teen moms for many years, for 16 years. So while I was going through that journey of working in that field, I was going through some personal experiences with my own children and uh, related to those same topics. And, um, and so, you know, that that they could those those uh, two experiences that work experience and that lived experience kind of intersected, and so was born the idea for you to speak. So because I really saw a need for um, for empowering youth to take their their personal stories and use them for good and to pay a message forward to other youth. Okay, you outlined it on the website, but for our mm-hmm. listeners, can you tell us about why your personal experience? impacted what you set up yeah absolutely so you know when you're going through challenges like that it, within your family um it's very difficult you know we uh collectively collectively we, we you know with our four children we have a blended family we experienced many issues related to those topics um and we have also lost two children our son gavin who's one of our first speakers in you speak um, was killed in a weather-related car accident on his 19th birthday, um, a year after I started you speak, and, and so he was with us for that very first year. And then my son Kyle, um, 10 years and two months later to the day, took his own life. He struggled with bipolar disorder, substance use issues, and just really was managing for as best he could for for a long time. But at 31 years old, he he took his own life. So. Um, you know, as I was saying, when you when you go through challenges like that, they 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 weigh heavy on you, and and in many ways, uh, beyond that, that I would describe beyond the capacity of this of this podcast. Um, but what I did learn out of that was that um, when you can give a meaning to your challenges, um, it's very self healing. So it's not only you know. Uh, an opportunity to pay it forward and, and help others and give a strong message to others, but it's very self-healing. 
um, to be able to, to, you know, use them for a purpose, right? It's uh, for lack of better term. So, so that's, that was where it came from. And I noticed that self-healing was happening for myself. Um, and so I really wanted to create that same opportunity for youth who were going through struggles, you know, rather than kind of tuck it away and want to forget about it and hide away from, you know, the challenges is embracing them as part of your whole life and, and, uh, feeling more empowered, um, through sharing the story. Okay. So you speak is Ontario based or are you beyond Ontario? On occasion, for most part, yes, really. And mostly, you know, primarily GTA and Southern Ontario, right? That's our roots are here. Um, our roots are really actually York region um, because that's kind of where I lived and it started out of, my, out of my home. And then beyond that, we, you know, we, we, we uh, uh, grew um, to uh, reach out to primarily kind of all the, uh, the regions within the, the GTA and Southern Ontario on occasion, virtually, you know, we can travel a little bit further, travel further, but uh, um, otherwise. So for our listeners, for our listeners, GTA means Greater Toronto Area. Oh, yes, area. I'm so sorry. Right, yes. The, so Greater Toronto Area. Okay. So that includes Toronto, York Region, Peel, Durham, Simcoe. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry. So having said that, who are some of the people that participate in your programs? Right. Um, so in the early, early days, you know, when you start up a charity, you have to um, have a board of directors. So it was initially started with neighbors and friends who I thought could bring some skills and knowledge to get kickstarting it. Um, and then, of course, you grow from there and you look at the skill sets that you need to run an, an organization at that level. Um, uh, so so we're looking for folks who had business background and social work background and, and uh, school board experience and, and all those things. Um, lots of parents, you know, people are just genuinely interested because they have personal experience themselves. Um, so have a real heart for this work. Uh, mostly actually that's what draws people in, but they also bring that, that those skill sets. Um, and then our team of uh, youth, youth speakers, right. To, you know, have take on various roles within the organization, which, which has grown tremendously as well. Um, but there, they are all people with lived experience who are really passionate about making a difference to other youth. Right. It's like that I went through this. I don't want to be asked to go through it or I want them to, um, you know, learn what I didn't learn at a younger age and, and learn it sooner. You know, it's 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 creating that relatability for kids. Right. That's the key. So we have a very diverse team um, and we match the speakers with the specific school that they're going into, the community that they're going into um, so that the students, when they hear the personal story, say, wow, they're just like me. And they got through it, and this is what they did, and they can model after that. Yeah, because kids listen to other kids. Youth listen to you. So, Una, are any youth on your board of directors? Uh, we have had that experience in the past. Um, we currently don't because it's just uh, because they're very, very busy already with the you know direct service work um and our focus with the board of directors is always funding and fundraising and you know those that's the primary function of the board currently right now but as a small charity it's always always something that we're you know just trying to stay afloat and manage and grow um so it's you know we haven't brought any youth in 
recently. However, our youth are in leadership roles within the organization. Um, you know, as, as, as a small organization, we need to, you know, uh, there's lots of opportunity. So rather we need to, we, there is lots of opportunity for them to take on leadership roles. So we have a marketing coordinator and an SEO create, create, uh, coordinator, a graphic designer, a, um, you know, a various kind of trainer, and they're all youth on our team who are taking on these positions, right? So, the, you know, we match uh, their skill sets and their knowledge and interests with specific uh, committees and roles within the organization, and they take a, a lead in, in that project. So as I read on your website, this will be the 20th year, is that right? Yes, yeah, 20 years in. Yep, so 2003 is when we did our inaugural presentation. It was actually my son and I on stage with one other speaker. Um, and uh, in November 20, uh, thousand, or 2003. So yes, 2023 is 20 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So reaching over 350,000 students and caring adults, which are teachers, educators, counselors, police officers. Um, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Yeah, my daughter is a grade three teacher, so. Ah, okay, yeah. Okay. So having said that, what's next? In the next three years, Right. what are you going to yeah. look like? Yes, uh, that's, yeah, that's a good, good question. So one of the focus areas for us now is really trying to build some sustainable partnerships with other organizations that are, you know, have a similar mission, right? Um, you know, we've, we've reached that many and we have, my apologies, that is phone. Uh, um, <clears throat> we have, um, you know, reached those large numbers and provided, oh gosh, over 2000 presentations in that time probably more than that. I can't remember that numbers on, on the top of my head, but, um, but still, you know, trying to keep the organization afloat has been, been, been a challenge like many organizations. So, right. So looking at some kind of, um, partnership opportunities that might help to sustain the organization a little bit more, um, in a way that, you know, we're, we're, we can just really focus on the work, the delivery of the work, uh, cause the demand, is is there has increased tremendously last year we provided 250 percent more presentations than we had the year before um you know schools are really looking for resources that are meaningful for their kids you know often when a principal calls or i meet with them they'll say you know we've been trying to tell our kids this and we we do get them this messaging but we need somebody they're going to actually listen to um, and that's that's where we bring that uh, that strong voice and that meaningful content to the to add to the conversations that the caring adults are already having. Right, it really aligns uh, with uh, what parents and teachers want their kids to hear, but they just hear it differently. It's it's just the nature of the beast, right? <laughs> parents say that all the time, right? You know, with their own kids, right? It's like I've been trying to tell you that for years. How can we all of a sudden listen to that person? Was because they they find that person more believable because they're somehow more relatable to them, right? So really that's what it's about. So Una, I'm surprised you haven't gone virtual because I, I see, you know, it could be expanded to all the provinces in Canada right. very easily. Yes. So we have gone virtual. So we do offer both. Um, so definitely, you know, twenty spring 2020, um, right away, like most – 
of everyone in the world had to where they could pivot very quickly and which is exactly what we did um, by July we were providing virtual presentations so they were all and we still offer those um, <clears throat> however you know come around to spring 2022 so last year once schools were able to do in person again once they got the kind of the go-ahead um, they they pivoted right back kids want somebody in person they want to be in per you know they want to connect at that level so we didn't stop providing virtual and uh, that offering but they're the, the local ones anyway are all choosing in person so basically you know the way we're operating now is they can make that choice but we're you know we're delivering on the assumption that most that are local <clears throat> are going to be provided in person and any beyond that to you know where travel costs are going to be extensive uh we can offer virtual yeah so we still get inquiries from you know alberta and vancouver and northern ontario and, and so forth i i would think so because <clears throat> you know, like my uh, my daughter teaches in ingersoll right and ah, uh, i know that name uh, by north bay no no ingersoll no. is down near london oh okay okay so i i'm just saying that you know, virtual would be the best way to reach right. your class. Okay, right. As okay. an example. Yes, exactly. And yes. Uh, do you work with school boards at all? Yes, we do. We work very closely um, on very on different levels. You know, to, to definitely share our information. Uh, but school and it's through the mental health leads. They uh, they are have tightened up considerably over the last several years and really want to you know approve and and view the material that's going in front of their students uh, fair enough and we appreciate their input um and their and their guidance on what is appropriate in terms of being trauma-informed and equity-informed so we work very closely with mental health leads of school boards uh in our area so does that include high school as well yes it does yep yeah. Yep. So we, I think historically we started tend to be more in high schools, excuse me. <clears throat> um, and now it's more elementary. Our, our primary audience is grades six to eight and, you know, some four to sixes as well is probably the next group and high school and then primary in the last couple of years, we've had more schools reaching out to ask if they have anything for primary. So we created two, um, assemblies for primary ones uh, called inclusivity and one is called a self-care toolkit so one has a mental health spin and one's the other equity spin okay do you teach teachers yes we do yes yeah teachers and uh, we call it carrying out so teachers and um, parents um, so we have a workshop for teachers it's it's you know it's youth with lived experience share their stories of course and they also bring in pieces around, you know, um, what can be done in a classroom to create a more uh, more safe space. You know, m most teachers want to know how they can support their kids and aren't always sure, you know, how to do that. And and they, they're always grateful at the kind of the tips and the information they get from youth themselves about this is what a teacher did for me that was so meaningful that that teacher may not even have realized, you know, because they never heard back, right? Um, you know, noticing 
right? You know, just asking them how they're doing at a person-to-person level versus always talking about kind of, uh, you know, the curriculum and, and, you know, the tasks that have to be completed. Um, and for parents, the same, you know, what kind of things can they do um, that will create that safe space that when their youth, when their child is struggling, um, they know that they can go to their parents um, and and feel comfortable and safe enough because it's scary to do that when you're when you're a kid, right? You know, to go to your parents and say I'm not doing very well, or I'm to, you know, you're afraid of the reaction, you don't let them down. You know, I, I I'm always blown away when I hear that. Um, you know, a young person saying, "Well, I didn't want to burden my parents, right?" You know, they already see stressed or too busy, and I didn't I didn't want to burden them, which is just so sad because most parents they were about the opposite. They were about the kids not coming to them and wanting them to come, right? So it's how do you create that 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 link between the two? How do you deal with bullying as part of what you do? Right, yeah. So that's one of our topics, our main topics. Um, once again, lived experience, right? So, you know, helping students two things. One is helping students to understand the impact of their words and actions, because they don't always, you know, right away, we were just joking, or there's those microaggressions that come out and, and aren't always aware, or if the person who's being bullied laughs it off, right, you know, out of, uh, as a coping strategy or defense mechanism, right, just laughs it off. It's what they, they laugh about it, they don't care. Um, so helping them to kind of see the impact that it can, the long-term impact that bullying can have on someone um, and building in that kind of that, that uh, you know, uh, uh, pro-social behavior kind of messaging and increasing their sensitivity and understanding about the, their impact on others. And then just, you know, bullying slash including others, right? Because that's a big piece of it as well. You know, you may not be overtly bullying someone but not including someone in kind of in activities or circles or someone's be alone and, and kind of you know reaching out and just saying hey they want to join us kind of thing right so strong messaging around that so that impact um and also giving the students or youth who are experiencing bullying a message of hope and some some strategies on how to navigate you know kind of the the system they're in and you know the environment they're in that may not change that much you know um but um but uh, th- how they can work through that and, and and know that there kind of is a light at the end of the tunnel, right? You know, reduce the, the degree of it and the extent of it, um, but how do you navigate your way through it even when you might continue to experience some, some of that? What about uh, students with disabilities? Has that been a challenge for your group? Um, we try to, as best we can, you know, keep that in mind. We've done some kind of more recent training and continue. We invest a lot in training work. My apologies. Um, I should have moved my phone. Is that going to be a problem? <laughs> that's going to ring for a minute. Yeah, I think that's... Um, uh, yeah, so so we've done, we invest a lot in training in all areas. So the uh, disabilities and neurodivergence piece is one more recent that we've started uh, looking at various trainings for, and we continue. We, we, we are committed to reinvesting on an ongoing basis in, in various trainings. Um, so trying to kind of, you know, be mindful and sensitive to the various ways that that, that, that might show up 
in, you know, and, and adapting um, and having variations of, of interactives that we do, right? Uh, so that is, it is inclusive to all kind of all people's experiences and, and uh, abilities. So without narrowing down over 20 years, yes, can you pick a couple of examples where you really said, boy, this is really worthwhile what we're doing? Uh, right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so many. It's so funny. Um, one of the first ones that stands out, this is so, so, so long ago. We were in northern Ontario. And it was about two hours. Um, that's why when you mentioned that that town, I thought it was north of North Bay because we went to a town two hours north of North Bay um, that had a similar name. And it was a very it was it was all white. It was primarily white, but there was one student who was a person of color, and one of the speakers I brought, um, you know, had, had a similar cultural background, and he remembers talking with that student afterwards. So those are the gems, right? Is when one of our speakers talks with the student afterwards and they just make that connection. You know, he was so sensitive to the fact that this student would feel very, you know, different as the only person of color in the entire school, right? And so it was just a gift that I chose that speaker to go. You know, and uh, and just I, he he felt he gave him that feeling of hope. You know, that feeling of you're not alone because he experienced something similar. Um, so yeah, so those are the those are the gems. Um, yeah, and I've a lot of stories like that where it's just that that strong connection that the speaker makes with the student, and they know that they've impacted their life tremendously and given them that spark of hope that they really really needed. Now, in your blended family, you had two children. Mm-hmm. Are they involved in the organization at all? Mm, right. So um, our youngest was a speaker for a while, as well as my son, Gavin. Uh, our youngest daughter was. And um, other than that, not really. She actually still provides some, uh, you know, kind of volunteer consulting because she works in the school board herself and, you know, it's, it's gone into the field herself. So in that capacity, yes, but not so much. Uh, my husband more so because he does a lot of uh, a lot of volunteer kind of behind the scenes work <laughs> to help me out uh, because I always have a lot on my plate. So uh, more so him. Sounds like you got good support there. Yes, yeah. So having said that, talk about partnerships and the importance of partnerships. Right. Yeah, so it's, um, I think historically, they've always been important for charities, right? Um, But I think more so today because there's, you know, there's a kind of messaging out there from funders and various supporters that, you know, we certainly in the charitable sector, you don't want to be, competing uh, or overlapping. And so to best kind of provide supports for, you know, whether it's youth or or our communities, period, um, we need a, like a more consolidated or coordinated effort, 
right, to work together and pull out the strengths from each organization as best we can to provide kind of, you know, wraparound support for folks, whether it's that direct kind of mental health, you know, like services, counseling, that kind of thing, or that more awareness building prevention um, kind of work that that we're doing in speak. So it's, you know, support and help is a continuum. And like I use that term wraparound because uh, often folks need a, a variety and a range of, of supports, right? So, so for example, you know, a student may hear our speakers share their stories. You know, they they come up afterwards and say, you know, I've been struggling with being bullied, or you know, I'm having thoughts of suicide, and and that speaker is trained to connect them with somebody in the school, um, who then will work with them in whatever capacity they do, we don't, you know, we pass it over from there. It's not our role to kind of continue. Um, and that, so that guidance counselor, whoever it is, would connect them with resources in the community or internally, they put supports in place within the school or whatever it is they do, right? So um, <clears throat> there needs to be that that communication between, you know, schools and, and organizations and that, that, that guidance counselor needs, uh, you know, a, a list of resources available so they know what to connect to who and what to connect them with and and that kind of thing right so so yes that that's that that kind of uh collaborative um effort is really uh really important in terms of the help that's provided and support that's provided but also cost saving right you know where we can kind of you know uh, work together we, we save money the important element of being a charity is measurement how, right. how do you measure, because mm-hmm. in, in my experience, outcomes quite often are more important than outputs. Mm-hmm. So talk about measurement from your organization's perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's you're, you're so right. Uh, it's important at, at every level, right, in terms of validating what we're doing, but also to know what we need to do differently or better or, or not do anymore or whatever the case may be. Um, it's important for funders, of course. They want to know that they're, they're investing in something that's going to have uh, clear, clear outcomes. Um, our work is a little tougher to measure. You know, because it's awareness building, right? You know, short of those kids who directly come up and feedback we get from schools, um, it is it is harder to measure. Um, so we actually worked with two uh, charitable organizations over the last couple of years to develop a uh, an impact measurement strategy. So we worked with um, an, an organization, a nonprofit called um, Endeavor Consulting, and they helped us develop a strategic plan. Um, and, uh, and from that we worked, or from there, we were in a position to work with, or to be approved for funding through the McConnell foundation. And we worked with an organization, an organization called in a weave, um, and for the next eight months. And they worked very close with us to develop a theory of change and, uh, the beginnings of that, uh, impact measurement strategy. So um, currently, any grant application we submit, we always include a little bit of dollars for evaluation so that we can hire a, an evaluator um, to help, you know, compile the data and, and to help us with that project because it becomes a whole kind of project on its own. Um, evaluation is, 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 um, is extensive. 
work. Um, but in the meantime, we're, we're doing, you know, pre and post kind of questions in our assemblies and, and that kind of thing, just to kind of get a sense of what's, what's effective and what's not. And we take that back and we adapt as needed. So we're in a constant kind of state of evaluating what's effective and what's not. So for more information, what is your website? Youthspeak.ca. Okay. Excellent. Because I think it's important that people know where to reach out to your organization. So thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. And have a positive day. Yes, you too, Peter. And thank you so much for this opportunity. I appreciate it. And great questions, by the way. There were just there was nothing that stopped me too much. And that's always a, a thing, a possibility. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day too.